Welcome back to the All The Things podcast with Luke Tim. Uh, i got a great guest today, good friend of mine, Kelly Lindbergh, great guy. Um, we became friends over the years. Um, man, I just met at a Bible study and hang out and talk about all kinds of different things. Uh, just a note about this podcast, since it's not the church podcast, um, there's occasionally not churchy language in it. So if it bothers you to hear somebody drop an S-bomb or call somebody a name, this isn't for you. You should definitely stop listening. Um, but if you don't mind a little bit of real language and uh, you kind of like to hear some uh, conversation about everything from, gosh, we talked marriage, faith, uh, differences of religions, an article that came out in the uh, uh, register recently, um, all, all kinds of different things, man. We were just everywhere. So hope you enjoy it. Um, like I said, great guy, Kelly, good friend. Uh, he'll be back on again next week. I'm kind of hoping to either get Duncan uh, or another buddy of mine named Doug Mitchell, uh, another great guy that I've known for a while. So, without further ado, give it up for my good friend, Kelly. All right, now we're on for real this time. For real. <laughs> Invite me in here and like... Silence me if I would have got up and <laughs> come in here and not be, I'd be so mad. <laughs> would have been an interesting one-sided <laughs> conversation. Like, well, this guy just – one way to shut me up, I guess. Yeah, I started recording with uh, only my only my feed going, so that would have been weird. Um, so let's – we only got like two minutes in, so that's cool. Let, let's start over. How was Easter? Easter was great. <laughs> Easter was awesome. Um, we did three church – my wife and I and son did three church services. So we did two at Hope – uh, Saturday, five to seven, back to back, two different pastors preaching. My wife and I have a kind of a tradition that we like to go listen to both of them and get two different sides of the message, and then kind of talk about what we, yeah, uh, you know what we what we saw in them. And then we so we did that, and then we got up Sunday morning and came here, cool to Living Faith, and that was great. Like uh, like I was saying previously, one of the <laughs> last time. cool things about coming here is. Just uh, getting to see like the the warm sense of community and welcome that we get whenever we come over here. You know the connections we've made through Bible studies and Alpha. Walk in the door and everybody's like, "Hi, hi!" Yeah, kind of feel like a rock star sometimes. Uh, you makes, are loved here. It it's makes me no feel question. really good. And then there's probably the people that think that we're just like woomers and tumors that just come <laughs> on Christians or just come on Christmas and Easter because they never see us any other time. So yeah. Uh-oh. Well, you've you've got like a, a home church and then. Like I joked that one time that it's the uh, the vacation church. The it second is, church. and we joke about it, but like it's you know I think we've you and I have highlighted it before. I often get people that are like, well, "Why don't you just go to Living Faith?" And it's like I, I could do that. I mean, I I love coming to this church. I also know that both for myself and my wife. Um, Lutheran Church of Hope is really where the magic happened. Like it was the place that really made my like the Holy Spirit just grabbed a hold of me and yeah. both of us and sat us on a new path. And so, what we've kind of decided is rather than saying, "Well, we're gonna we're just gonna go here and now," you know, we're this is right now. This we feel like this is where God wants us. We're in. We're, we do. We're heavily involved there. We have a good connection system there, and we're also um, connected over here and know people over here and. 
I think you and I have talked about it before. To me, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, I'm going to worship at Hope here, and then I'm also going to come over here and worship at Living Faith. Not in the sense that we church hop, right? but in the sense that, you know, it's one of the few areas in my life where more is better. (laughs) <laughs> like more church, you know, more Christian fellowship. Like right. most of the other places where I've thought uh, more is better has not served me well. Yeah. But it generally serves me well in, in a spiritual way. Yeah. So that's good. More women, we'll see more where the substance, spirit takes it. more. There's yeah. a lot of more that's not good. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, not no. good. Honestly, I wouldn't let you come over easily. Um, if you if you called me up one day and said, hey, let's sit down and talk, and you were like, I think I want to join Living Faith, I'd be like, all right, slow down. And I'd, I'd have conversations with Jeremy. I'd have, like, I'd, I'd want to know because um, I know that you're so ingrained at hope. Um, I'd be nervous, you know, that, that it's a big deal. Well, that's a nice way of just saying you don't want me. <laughs> well, there's that too. <laughs> no, but, you know, you and I have talked too. I think one of the cool things that, that the nature of our relationship provides is an outside perspective. Yeah. You know. I, and that's another thing that it's hard for me when I have good friends inside the church um it's it's not i I don't make friends with people who are yes men like that's just not a thing i want to do but i just know how hard it is when um when people i love and i'm good friends with in my church it's hard for them to be objective because they love me and and we're good friends it's just hard um the the best of friends that i have here i know um i always worry a little bit about hero worship um, right. you know, people get just kind of, he's the guy up there and, and it's exciting. And if it's an idea and it's his idea, it's probably a good idea. And right. it's just, it's easy and quick to be like, yeah. And a lot of times I think when that, when you see that, um, it's not always the people that you know, they talk about hero, hero worship, the people that fall prey to that, as far as they're the, the ones that are going, Oh, well he's up there. He must be good. Those it's not even a lot of times their fault. No, I agree. I mean, you know, there's there's some people that just by their personality are inclined to be followers. Yeah, I agree. And they're not born to be leaders or to stand up and go, hey, wait a second. this I, I'm not sure about this. Um, and that's okay because the world – the world needs followers. Right. We just need to make sure that we're following the right people. And I think one of the things that, that you have done well is surround yourself – with people who will, you know, speak the truth and love to you. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's that's not always sometimes those are difficult conversations. Yeah. But they don't have to be controversial conversations. Oh, rarely. I you I know. rarely have um hard conversations with people where I leave feeling bad. Right. I mean, it's almost always like I've I've got well, you know Beth. Beth loves right. to um in fact she she's of a of a different fabric of humanity (laughs) she she definitely is (laughs) she seeks to um i mean she's just a a critical person who wants to examine everything to make sure it's good she reminds me of um uh i don't know the right word gemologist (laughs) somebody who who studies gems and makes rings and stuff Uh, yeah i may have just made that word up i'm not sure if that's the right word (laughs) yeah that might but i understand what what you're saying and and the way it reminds me of that is i remember when i was buying the uh she'd be a great lawyer she would be a good lawyer you know everything you say i don't know about that let's check this out yeah she's always digging deeper yeah but like so when i bought the the engagement ring for joni (laughs) i remember the guy going well it's uh, in whatever the category of um clarity and this and this and there's there's this one flaw here and i'm like there is huh 
And he's like, yeah, if you look through this microscope, I'm like, but <laughs> who's going to do that? <laughs> right. Like, you know, but that's, that's Beth. Like she's, yeah, but here is this flaw. And where I might be the guy who goes, yeah, I don't see it, so it doesn't exist. Right. She's like, but no, she tempers it, does. it well. <laughs> oh yeah. Like I mean, there's like I know people too that have that like they're they always want to study the ins and outs and they want to know everything about it, but they become right. obs- they become obsessed with what what is wrong. Well, I, like, I need oh, to- there's this flaw right here, and like they won't let it go. Or then that that flaw leads to a deeper flaw. And right. It, at some point in time. You got to have that balance where someone can come to you as a pastor or a leader of a church or a right. husband, father, whatever your role is, and say, "Here's a flaw here that I want to talk about." Right? Or here's a you know here's a here's something that I don't know that really lines up. And at some point in time, as the leader, you can draw the line and say, "I I, I hear what you have to say, and I see it." I don't know that that's something that I'm overly concerned about. Right. right. Well, that's the thing is I need right. I need somebody to show me the flaws. Right. I need that, and that's that's what I worry about with um, people I'm very good friends with. Is even if they see the flaw, they might dismiss it as well. It's it's probably not a big deal. I mean, Luke probably knows about that. Like, what if I don't? Yeah. <laughs> so I need somebody to come to be like, no, they're, they're right there. That's a problem. And, you know, you're right that I, I essentially the way I view myself uh, with a lot of people is kind of like this filter of I'm going to get from this person this criticism and I need to filter that and say, OK, it's it's a valid criticism. You might be right, but um, I, I don't see that as the biggest problem that I need to address right now. And I might get from somebody else uh, great praise and somebody says, oh, I just love what you're doing and, and things are going great here at Living Faith. And I've got to filter that with, all right, is this hero worship? Is this – so I'm, I'm constantly filtering those things uh, and that's that's why it can be a challenge to be um, – this, this is why I value a friendship like yours outside of the church where it's like, you know, uh, no filters. <laughs> None. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You yeah, just, no filter. <laughs> You could just be an asshole. Uh, yeah, that's that's right. <laughs> so, oh, okay, cool. The uh, the FCC regs are off. We can use the words we want. Yes, use. this is not Living Faith podcast. Right. This is uh, this is the real one. This is the real one. This is all <laughs> the things. Yes. So, Welcome yeah, back. I mean, I, and I like that too because I think another thing that that happens a lot is different people bring different things to your circle. If you look at, um, you know, I have a military background, and if you look from a from a war fighting perspective, let's say, you know, g- generals, high-ranking military officials are part of a staff. Yeah. And each staff member brings a certain, you know, logistical aspect or operational aspect to the team. Ideally, the president should surround himself with a cabinet of people that are able to speak to him on their very various area of expertise. Right. Now, the validity of whether or not that's actually the case in our world right now right. is up for debate. But the, I think the most successful people are ones that surround themselves with people who are subject matter experts in an area, and then the leader brings that to bear. Right. As a leader, you don't have to be an expert in all things. You need to be well-versed. Right. Football coach. Right. You know, if if you have uh, – you like college football. The mm-hmm. guy that – the Alabama this year in the national Saban. championship Nick game, Saban. right? Nick Saban. Who can throw the ball better and, and run Nick Saban's offense better? Nick Saban and the offensive coordinator 
Or the quarterback on the field. Probably the quarterback. <laughs> Who do they listen to? <laughs> yep. Saban, because yep. he's the leader. You know, and so that that's always important to have, too. Yeah. Yeah, I always tell – I think one of the biggest um, benefits people need to or, – or gifts people need to invest in is discernment. Um, so – the area that I see the most is is mother in law. <laughs> People who struggle with family, especially with the mother in law, and as I get into conversations with them about it, I the, I always ask the same question: Why does she get a vote? And it's it's not just mother in law; it's 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 any relationship. But it's so so clear when when a woman is struggling with uh, my mother in law. You know, I just feel like such a a bad um, wife and I, and I feel like a bad mother. I'm like, well, why is, why is she getting a vote as to who, what, what kind of wife you are? Is, is she married to your husband? Cause that's weird. Right. <laughs> right? That's kind of weird. So your, your husband is the only one who gets to, and the language I try and use is to speak into your heart of you're doing a good job as wife or you're doing a good job as mother. That's it. This other person doesn't get a vote and, and they can squawk all they want but it's really not their fault because you can't control them, and and maybe it's their fault. But you, the way to happiness and, and and the way to resolve all of that isn't by trying to change them. It's by you know you just filter it through and say, all right, you, guess what? Um, that's that's really cute that you think I could be a better wife to your husband, but guess what? You don't get a vote. This yeah. is how we do things, and this is how we live. So just um, I, I try and get people to picture that's that's how they. They get to dole out votes for how they – their value and how they feel. And obviously, you know, a guy like me says number one vote is it's Jesus who gets to vote on uh, my worth or my value as a He gets the vote. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, I get, to, I get to dole out votes. And I, I'm of the opinion that I give very few votes out, um, very few people – and that's hard because when you've got you know a, a congregation, whether it worships two hundred or whether it worships five thousand on a Sunday, if you're handing votes out to everybody that they get to decide that they have a vote on on if you are a valuable person, that is a recipe for disaster. Well, especially in ministry, yeah, right. I mean, if you're really following a, a, a ministry and trying to model that off of the ministry of Jesus which i mean if you're a christian i hope you are i mean that should be your focal point <laughs> should be right a thing. um you're going to deal with broken messy people mm-hmm. and hurt people hurt people so if you're given a a a church of 5000 people if everybody gets a vote on i mean you're going to be chaos and that you know, some people will hear that right away and be like, oh, my gosh, he just said people aren't important. No, you know, clean your ears out. That's not what I said. Don't email me. What I said was <laughs> you, you'd seek your validation from above. Right. You know, I was reading a book. Um, I was reading a book one time about marriage and the nature of the, you know, the the marital relationship. And, and it was talking about how if you seek your validation from above and your valid from above the table and your validation from across the table will come automatically. Yeah. Because if you seek your validation from God, that's going to transform your heart. You know, um kind of like in Ephesians where it talks about, you know, the big thing that I've heard women hammer on is like, oh, you know, women be submissive. I'm not being some, you know, and it but I think what what 
and I've heard guys misuse that verse too. Uh, yeah, where they're like, <laughs> "Oh, woman, submit," you know, blah blah blah. And what I like to tell them is, "Hey, bro, read the entire chapter because there's way more in there that talks about how you're supposed to love your wife than how your wife is supposed to act to you." But here's the thing. I think that when a man loves his wife the way it's laid out in Ephesians and and gives himself up for her, washes her with the word, all those things that it says, what what sound woman is not going to respond to that well? Right. Like I mean, who who doesn't want to be loved by it like that where right. you are the point. Yeah. You know, and so I think that when you draw it from above and you love biblically like that, your validation will come because people just they love that. Yeah, no, I the example I always give on um, submission the the one time that it worked in such a real life way um, in our marriage for Joni and I was when we moved here. So she was um, very pregnant, like seven and a half months when we took the call. We moved here when she was eight months pregnant, and she she was in a mode of no way. Um, got to have this baby in Michigan because this is where my doctor is. This is where my support network is. This is where I know people. This is I, the home is here. We, we can't do this. And I, I could feel all of the emotional concern, all of the angst and everything. But just thinking, I'm going, but we're going to um, a congregation that has been looking for a pastor for like two years. And they're a young congregation with young kids. We're going to walk in the door. They're going to fall in love with you. Mm-hmm. Um, these these moms are going to rally around. You're going to get a doctor. You're going to get um, recommendations for hospitals. And this. It is going to be way faster than if it was like a big or more older and established church. So we're just, and, and so finally it came down to I had to just say, no, this is what we're doing. Did and you say, woman? <laughs> the, Pretty much oh, yeah. exactly how I said it. <laughs> I say that to my wife once in a while. She looks at me like, but it's in the Bible. Like, I'm just trying to be like Jesus. <laughs> Sorry I assumed your gender. Woman, my time has not yet come. <laughs> so, Honey, will you take the trash out? Woman, my time has not yet come. <laughs> but I, uh, so I try. I try to um, to be soft with it. I, I tried to be kind with it. I, I tried all sorts of ways to, don't do that with your keys, by the way. It's going to be on the mic. What's wrong with you? Have you, have you no recording etiquette? Blah, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So, so um, I had to just kind of firmly be like, "We're going," and um, she's she has never said that I was right, yeah. but but has good luck on that. Let me know when that happens, <laughs> right? But she she sort of affirms that um, it was a good uh, that that our move here was great, that having the baby here was great, but there there was never this. But she she was a a godly woman in her sort of yes I um okay you you say that we go we go and so we went and uh, it exactly worked exactly the way I thought it would I mean we got the right we had like eight different women recommend the same doctor so that was pretty obvious it was like yep uh, that's gonna be the doctor we're gonna go to where to deliver the baby yep like eight different women were like yep that's where to go right. and baby shower and it was just it was phenomenal so um. But that's that's the one side. The other side, because in that one I came out a winner. Uh, I think, guys, it needs to be said that you, you probably will come out the loser on the wives submit to your husband thing more often than not. An example I give to that is my motorcycle. Right. Because you'll notice I don't have one. <laughs> right. I don't either. <laughs> but I used to. Um, 
and it was it was when our second child was born that um, my the, her submission to me was not a no you can't have a motorcycle or you have to get rid of that thing it was me on on the other side of that it is um, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church which is all sacrificial right. which is to to reduce to be humble to to go I mean he went from omniscient, omnipotent, all, all of these like grandiose things to uh, an infant. <laughs> so talk about a reduction of awesomeness. And that's how I, I compare the, the loss of the motorcycle is a reduction of awesomeness. And it is sacrificial. And I, and I think it's cool that you brought that up because that's, that's the part that I think gets lost a lot. You know, we talk about, uh, well, and it's, we talk about this and submit and uh, right again, if you're loving your wife, if you're doing what 75% of that passage says, <laughs> mm-hmm. your wife's probably going to let you take the lead because, yeah. because you're, you're shepherding her heart. You're looking out for her best interest. Right. You're not making decisions based on your – you know, just going out and going – coming home with a motorcycle um what is that wife submit to your husband you know like no it doesn't you don't do that like there's a lot of things that i want to go do there's a lot of things that i more importantly i think in 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 my marriage is the things that i do that i don't want to do yeah because i lay my i want to lay my yes down because that's my wife and i want her to be happy and i want her to feel loved and feel secure in the way that i do that is by engaging with her in activities that I don't like to do. Yeah. You know, Saturday, man, I don't want to go run all over town and go here and go there and buy this and let's go look at this. And, yeah, you know, my wife will sometimes send me pictures of like, I want to buy this. We'll buy it then. Like, you know, because I'll be honest with you, my wife handles the finances in our family. Yeah. Because, I mean, she's just better at it. <laughs> she's just better at it than I am. If I have XYZ in the bank, I'm like, ooh, so that means I can afford XYZ. I can, I can go buy a new whatever. Uh, yeah, but we have all these bills. Oh, well, those don't count. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Not for 30 days. So we don't. My wife is much better at that. We let her do that. But, right. So, you know, I, I have to. But on Saturdays, a lot of times we get up, we go do whatever if she's not working because that's what she wants to do and I want her to be happy. And it goes better for me in the long run if I do those things because that puts her in a mode where. She feels loved. Yeah, a hundred percent. We are getting way deep into this love thing, <laughs> like mushy, mushy. This all the things, all the guy things. We talking about love. How to be a good husband? Way to be a good husband is yeah. Us, us two talking about how to be a good husband. <laughs> Find the irony in that. Well, you notice our wives aren't here, <laughs> so we can say anything we want. Right, about how exactly. Great we are at this. That's what makes it awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, but originally. Um, uh, for our jumping off point, I was thinking about this uh, this article that was in the um, Des Moines Register. Good times had by all. Um, this came out on Easter, of course. Um, seems like every year there's there's some kind of Easter uh, Easter egg, if you will. And um, I see what you did. See there. what I did there. By which I mean somebody comes out and says, "Oh, it turns out Jesus didn't rise from the dead, or we found his tomb. His bones are still in it." Um, this year, I thought the winner was going to be, for sure, uh, Pope says there's no hell. Um, did you pick up on that? Um, I saw it. I, I will be honest with you. I didn't read a lot about it. I don't I don't put a lot of stock in what the Pope says. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I give him credit for, you know. Since you're a crypto-Calvinist. Some, something, yeah, right. But 
I don't know. I think the Pope. I think there's but one mediator between man and God, right. And well, I don't think it's the Pope. So I and I will get a lot of grief for saying that at the next family <laughs> gathering because I have a lot of family members that are Catholic. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, you're a, a deep Catholic family. Um, yeah, I get it. Um, I don't put a lot of stock in the Pope. I have a I have a bit of a soft spot for the Catholic Church, and that's a little bit weird. I think people think that's weird, but in my opinion, man. Um, they were the ark that carried the scriptures to us today. Absolutely, um, man. We would we would be lost without um, the preservation that they they put into that. But anyways, um, long story short, it's all bullshit because the guy that reported that is is kind of notorious for doing this. Um, number one, he doesn't ever take notes in his meetings. The guy that reported that the Pope said that there's no hell. Yeah, that the story's all bullshit. Yeah. Okay. So there's there's no. Um, there's no recording of it. There was no interview, like an official interview. This was – he and the Pope apparently are kind of friends. Right. And they're chit-chatting or something, having a conversation, and apparently he's misrepresented the Pope earlier on something else. And and whatever you want to say about our current Pope, um, I don't care. But like he came out and was like, no, I was we, – we were talking and this, this is a gross misinterpretation of anything I ever said. Um, but the guy is, is this, his famous thing is he doesn't take any notes when he does interviews. He just does an interview and, and then writes a story. I'm like, so you're just a, a really lousy journalist. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, I don't even know if I'd call him a journalist. <laughs> right. Right. I like, mean, he just kind of writes. Journalism these... by nature is like. <laughs> yeah. Copious notes. Yeah. And... <laughs> notes. And then you, you take your notes and you put them together and you formulate a story yeah. and you figure out, research what's right and what, yeah. you know, at least most good journalists do. And entirely by coincidence, he decides to drop that story about the Pope says there's no hell right before Easter because, you know, that's just when he was done writing it. It had nothing to do with the fact that it was, you know, everybody's eyes on Pope and eyes on Easter at the moment. Um so I thought that was going to win the annual just before Easter. Um, but in our community, the register comes out with this article that says all religions should unite to bring an end to hate crimes. Yeah. Um, I don't disagree with that, that title, the heading, right? <laughs> well, it's funny because, yeah, you, you, I, we were talking and I, you know, I read this article and I looked at it and I was like, oh, I was like, this could be a decent article. And then I read it and I was just like, okay. Yeah. None of that's right. The, right. You know me. I, I've got my five points here that I don't, that I don't agree with. Crypto Calvinist. <laughs> no, but I've got some points in there that I read, I read and I was just like either like blatant lie or I call BS or – uh, you know, well, duh. And right. Yeah. I don't, you know, this was written by what this guy named Steve Corbin, who I think it says is like a professor at UNI. And so he's, he's obviously way smarter than me in certain areas, but I, I don't, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that, um, Christianity and religion is probably not one of them. Yeah. Right. Um, and this, this hits right at the heart of some of the things that I just absolutely despise in our current culture. Um, this is a very, very American, very U.S. social-minded article. Um, so again, I, I really like the the title of this: "All Religions Should Unite, Bring End to Hate Crimes." Cool. I, I Absolutely, yay! I'm a, I'm opposed to hate crimes. I can I'll go on a limb, right? 
Well, say. yeah, I mean, <laughs> hate crimes equal bad. Right. <laughs> Unless they're Yankees fans, then it's okay. I don't disagree with that. I, so. I don't disagree with that. Um, but let's, let's look at his points here. Followers of Christianity, Islam, and Judaism are monotheist. These are things where um, – are in common. These, right. these religions are in common. Uh, we all worship the same God of Abraham, who is conceived of as eternal, omnipotent, creator of the universe, source of moral law, and has the the properties of holiness and justice. So, well, the um, first part: followers of Christianity, <laughs> Islam, and Judaism are monotheists. Okay, really? Well, yeah. I mean, like. <laughs> So to me, it's a prime example of a guy trying to sound smart, and it's just like, duh, they're monotheists. Oh my goodness, you know somebody who doesn't study into theology or world right. religions doesn't be like monotheist, big word. No, theos, God, mono, one. So right. yeah, they're all just religions that basically say there's one God. Right. Yep. So do Satanists. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, to me. I think before you even do the points, like one of the things that jumped out at me was the first statement where hate crimes have steadily incre- – this whole letter is written as to ignite – I mean and it's what our media does, ignite a conversation. So good mm-hmm. job, Steve. You won. You got us talking about it. There you go. Hate crimes have steadily increased since the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001. Based on what? Uh, um, partially based on the definition of hate crimes. Right, and there's also – like people who want to have debates provide facts and they provide sources. Yeah. This guy just says hate crimes have steadily increased since the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001. Well, I did some research and that's not true. Right. It's not true. The only way you could make that true is to skew the numbers and say, well, hate crimes have increased. Yeah, because we've protected more classes. Right. Hate crimes have changed. Yeah, and, and we haven't really tracked hate crimes um, the same way before 9-11 that we have after 9-11. Right. Um, and so words um, are oftentimes now considered hate crime. So you could say something to somebody. You could speak words that are controversial or ugly that, that I don't agree with. Like I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to defend using um, racial slurs, but – before 9-11, there was no conversation about language being a hate crime. And in the last five years or so, there's a lot of conversation about language being a hate crime. And um, we're bending that way, and, and Canada's already there. Canada's already in a place where um, it is considered a hate crime if you – or I, hate crime is, is a U.S. terminology for it. I'm not sure – I can't remember what the Canadian um, phrase is, but they've got – it's, it is illegal to misgender a person. It's actually a crime. Um, there's, cert, there's all kinds of speech that is considered illegal, and that's never been the case in the U.S., but we're kind of going that direction. And, and people are labeling hate crimes today that we wouldn't even consider to be a hate crime 20 years ago. So in, in that instance, yeah, it's absolutely the same words are spoken today as that they were. And again, making it clear, I'm opposed to those those right. words. <laughs> right. But we didn't think that those would constitute anything illegal or criminal 20 years ago, but we do today. And yeah, that's it, weird. It's you know, it's it's classic American troubleshooting. And this is one of the things that irritates me. Oh, we've got a problem with this group of people being attacked for what they believe. 
So let's put a law in effect that says that makes it illegal to uh, to attack them. You know, we do that. We over legislate everything in this country. Mm-hmm. Oh well, let's just make a law against it. Yeah, because that works so well, right? You know, and, and in certain cases it does. I mean, we have uh, some of the laws we have are for good purposes. You know, but people who are going out and attacking Muslims don't care about the law. <laughs> You know, like Weird. so. Let's make another law to deal with someone who doesn't respect laws in the first place. We see this everywhere, and I'm not going to go into the gun thing, but we we see we see it everywhere, and it it doesn't work. Yeah, you know. I think we we should um, the laws that we should be examining are on mutual combat, and there's places in the U.S. It's it's been years since I looked this up, probably two years since I looked this up. Um, so I don't know if the laws have changed, but there are places where. Mutual combat is still on the books. I think in Washington, um, because I, I remember seeing a video where these two guys decide that that they want to fight it out. The police are there, and the the cop looks at the one guy and he goes, "You agree to this?" And looks at the other guy, "You agree to this?" All right. So that's that big Dan guy from UFC. You ready? <laughs> you ready? Let's get it on. Basically, <laughs> these, these two guys just go at it. So, so mutual combat or. Or just in in general, like if if we're worried about the way in which people speak being um, wrong, or you know, I, I hate to to phrase it as illegal because I, I don't think any language or very little language I should say should be illegal. But we should have the right, I think, to challenge that in a way where I can say, all right, you you want to walk around and and call somebody who's gay a faggot? Cool. Now, I'm opposed to that. So you and I are going to have some words, and if you're going to keep using that word, I'm going to stuff it down your throat. Yeah, I'd take it a step further because, like, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm with you. Like, I'm not. I mean, you've heard me. You've heard me talk about my wife. I'm a very straight, heterosexual male. Um, don't understand what leads a person to, you know, be attracted to someone of the same sex. But hey, it's not my place to understand it. You right. Know? It's my place to say. That's your proclivity, whatever, and you know I love you anyway, or treat you with dignity and respect, even though that I even though I don't agree with your lifestyle. But I'll tell you this: I have some. That being said, I have some friends that are gay, and I've known some gay men over the years that will whoop your ass. Right, right. <laughs> so, like some of these, some of these guys that are running around going, oh, these, you know, these fags, blah 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 blah. Okay, dude. Well, why don't we go downtown? Why don't we go downtown <laughs> to the saddle <laughs> and you can walk in there and you can start spewing your hate and talking about, you know, this right. and that and all this stuff that you do. And my guess is you're going to get your ass handed to you or maybe taken from you. I don't know. One of the two. <laughs> like, so, I mean, that's so wrong. But I mean, <laughs> that's why it's a good thing that we're on. I do all. appreciate it. <laughs> you know, like, seriously. I mean, it, I think you and I have talked on another podcast about there's people out there that say things across the keyboard that they would never say face to face with somebody, right. right? So do I think that do I think that homosexuality is a uh, a sinful lifestyle? First of all, it doesn't matter what I think. As a man of God, I put my faith, I put my my belief in what God says and what the Bible says. And if you're not a Bible guy or a Christian, then I don't expect you to have the same moral compass that I do because we live by different rules. Right. 
That makes I mean, sense. There, and that doesn't make me hateful. That doesn't make me a bigot. That's just if you ask me, is that a sinful lifestyle? I would say God says it is. Just like the way that I get mad and talk to my wife sometimes is a sinful lifestyle. Just the way that I, you know, treat other people who, you know, my sin is not different than someone else's. Yeah, I've got all kinds of yeah. sin in my life. <laughs> but I just think it's funny when they want to attack these people and make all these comments and like, yeah, okay, that dude might whoop your ass. Like, yeah. I, and he's still a man. <laughs> so so why doesn't that ass whooping happen more regularly is, is likely because – the, the person who's receiving it is a better human being or receiving the verbal abuse is a better human being. And also there's this constraint of, yeah, I mean, if, if this guy's just standing here now, now going down to the saddle would be a different thing because you'd be in a, in a place where you'd be outnumbered. Yeah. You'd be outnumbered. You get your ass whooped and nobody would have seen anything. Right. I don't know what happened. <laughs> he was never here. Officer. It looks what like are you he talking tripped about? down the stairs a couple of times. Right. Um, but yeah, in public or in in, a, in an open space, yeah, I, there's something to this. There there is no repercussion to to being an asshole, and that's unfortunate. And one of my my favorite moments in time was on Vicarage. I had this awesome Vicarage supervisor, David Languish, um, kind of a pretty athletic guy. He was um, so I was a wrestler in college. He was a wrestler in college. We, we clicked right away. I'm, you know, 10 years younger than him, but maybe maybe 15 years younger than him at that point. Um, right off the bat, he goes, if you and I have some differences, he goes, you don't have to worry about um, me filing charges. And he goes, and I'm going to expect the same from you. We're not going to go to the district. We're not, we're not going to bring in other pastors. We're, we're not going to do any of this kind of stuff. We're going to go out back and we're going to solve this. And I was like, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. This is that's the way to do this, and um, there needs to be that kind of a mindset out there where we can we can work through hard things with with civility and uh, grace, and you know the the demeanor of people who have intellect. And if you're not willing to participate in that, you get your ass handed to you. That's yeah. just the way it is. And there has to be a win negotiations fail mindset. Mm-hmm. So, like as a warrior. One of the first things I always, you know, I want to do is negotiate, negotiate, negotiate. Pray for peace, prep Prefer- for war. Yep. You know, and if so, when negotiations fail, well, then it's time to go to war, and there's a time for that, and that's the ugly truth, but it's it's still the truth, you know. And I, I do. I think that you you said about why doesn't this happen? Well, it doesn't happen because most of the people that spout off about gays or transgender or blacks or any class out there, Muslims, Jews, do it from the safety of their keyboard or the safety of distance. Mm-hmm. You know, right. they don't, they're not going to, I love some of these, um, you know, and I, I grew up in small town rural America, so I got some, some country roots in me, but I, uh, I love some of these, and I'm going to say it, backwards-ass country people with a, a flawed way of thinking that live out in the sticks and have never seen anybody, and they just, they're just they just filled with hate. There's people like that. Mm-hmm. You don't believe me? Sorry. <laughs> no, um, there's I, people, there like, people that, like that. You know, and you want to sit there and you want to you – know, you're a twerp. You want to sit there and make all your little assertions about this group of people that you don't know anything about. Why don't you come stand in the middle of the fire and say that? Because, mm-hmm. again, I will tell you, you will get your ass whooped. Yeah. 
and I, I don't hold it against um, – so for those people who just don't have the, the perspective, who've never been out of small town, you know, rural, who, who just – you know, somebody who's a, a white supremacist who grew up in families that were bigoted and full of hate, like at some point you look at them and go, you just didn't have a chance. <laughs> you just need a hug, bro. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, why would you think any different? Right. You know, if somebody just keeps telling you, oh, those people with dark skin, they're all liars, they're all thieves, they're all criminals. Why, if you're, if you start hearing that when you're three yeah, and now you're 20, why would I think you think anything different? You know, why, why would you come to a different conclusion if that's, and that is the vast majority of people grow up in environments where they don't get outside of their own hometown or their own in, mindset very often. So why would we be surprised when that hometown mindset is ingrained in everybody in that town? So if – whether it's in the south or in the north, wherever it is, where that's kind of ingrained into you, that's that's where the real problem is. So I don't hold it like personally against them. But I, I want to say, all right, now come out and just – See the world, you know. Right. Come, come to a town. Come, follow me. <laughs> Meet some friends of mine. Let's go hang out. Let's have a conversation, and and just be open to the idea that well, I grew up baked in this stew of evil and hate, and I'm an evil, hateful person. Maybe there's a, a better way. Yeah, and, and I think that you know, there's. I think when you do that and then you, you know, let's let's say that you start mixing, you know, with with cultures and different races and different classes, you might do that and decide that, you know what, I just don't really enjoy that interaction because of this. Like I can tell you that um, would I have conversation with somebody who's a Muslim? Absolutely. But if I'm hanging around and socializing with a group of Muslims and everything in their conversation, not that it would, but if everything in their conversation turns to how you know, Christians are this and the Bible is this and they're just berating everything that I hold dear, I'm probably not going to want to be in that circle very long because right. it doesn't it – doesn't, why, why do we have relationships with other people? To uplift them and to uplift us. Right. And if it's not uplifting, why would I want to continue? Right. And, uh, you know, like culture and custom stuff too. I, I, when we go to Kenya, I love it there. I love um, so many things about the way they live. For a short time. <laughs> yeah. But then it's like, gosh, I want to get back. <laughs> I want a Coca-Cola. <laughs> right? It's, it is – and there's so many different things about it. It's um, – uh, one of the one of the great um, differences between our culture and and this Kenyan culture, and it's not just Kenya. It is more like a. There's a book out there whose name I can't remember. Um, Foreign to familiar. There it is. Foreign to familiar. Um, and it it's a book that missionaries read to understand. And the author um, makes it kind of in two different categories. There's cold culture and warm culture. Cold culture is just about facts. It's expedient. Um, it's about transfer of information. And warm culture is about relationship. So when you go to Kenya, um, it's all about relationships. So there, so nothing happens quick. And I remember I was dying laughing as we're driving back from somewhere. It's late. We were um, delayed doing something, and the, the person driving us from America, and uh, but he lives there full time. He's lived there for a couple of decades now, and he goes, well, "I'll just order a pizza in Nairobi. I'll just order a pizza, and it'll be at the house when we get there." So he calls on his cell phone and the pizza order goes, hello, my name is Shawin. I'm only hearing his side of the conversation. 
Very well today, thank you. Yes, we're traveling from a great distance. Oh, it's been very good. Yes, indeed. Ten-minute conversation to order pizza. Just order the dang pizza. <laughs> yeah, I was right. like, oh my gosh, this is insane. But then that's part of the – that's <laughs> – you it's know, what you we do. don't have that in this country. No, we, you know, ours is like I don't even want to talk to somebody. I just want to order Domino's online. Online, thirty <laughs> minutes. What are you talking about? I want it right, like you know. Hot and ready, and if they're not there in thirty-five, you're like, oh, I'm calling the store. <laughs> like, oh right. my goodness, be grateful someone's cooking for you. Ass. Right, but it's that it's that different. Where um, if you don't, when people come over here, that's what the part of the book says. But when people come over here, they're stunned, offended, hurt. Oh yeah, because nobody wants to talk to them, and it's. You know what I would say is it's not that we don't want to talk to you or we don't love you. It's just that that's not what we do. Like that's a separate time. Right now, I just got business to do, and I need a pizza, and I need it in thirty minutes, and you need to get off the phone because I got something else to do. Right, and that's just how we roll. Yeah, the 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 culture thing is just, and it's funny because in so many ways we view ourselves as being so far ahead. What? In so many ways we view us as. Uh, being so far ahead, but sure. in a lot of ways, we're really not. Oh, no, we're not I mean, at all. Like, you know, you take about like the the basics and, and technology has really even made it even worse. Oh, absolutely. And so I had somebody, Julie, um, had this great moment where, you know, she had fallen in love with the with the village and fallen in love with the pe- people. And um, you just want to grab the door. Yeah. yeah. Um, fallen in love with with the whole experience of being in Kenya and. She goes, you know, she's got tears in her eyes and she goes, because the families are really tight. Everybody's got really tight relationships and bonds. And she goes, they do it better here. They're, they're better than we are. They, they've got it right. And my response was, they also have malaria. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's everything from, you know, so our expedience and, and our, um, our way and our culture gives us things like vaccination, gives us things like infrastructure. I mean, it takes forever to build a road in Kenya because it's all about the relationships and these people have to be comfortable with those people and they have to be comfortable with this person and there's seven different relationships that have to be managed for the bid to go out to the right person to build the road and here it's like lows bitter winds ready to go <laughs> and we're done good and we're done <laughs> yeah I think it's um, you know one of the things that pops into my mind on that is I'm, it, it's in Romans and I think it's 12 where it says you know don't think too highly of yourself don't think you know it all right right you know and I think we we have a tendency to do that and when, when there's balance in that I think society flourishes so when we say well we're the U.S., the mighty USA, and so we are the apex of, of human civilization because we have this, this, this. And don't get me wrong. I mean there's not probably another con- – there's not another country I'd rather live in except right. you know, Jamaica on the beach would be pretty <laughs> cool right now, especially since it's snowing in April here in Iowa. But it, you know, on a serious note, there is no other country I'd rather live in. But that does not mean that we are perfect, and that does not mean that we can't learn – from other cultures. And right. one of the things I learned in the military traveling around to different countries is the way they value different things that we don't necessarily – I wouldn't say that it's – that we don't value, but we don't cultivate. Right. We don't cultivate those kind of relationships like you're talking about the pizza guy. Yeah. But it's funny then if you think about it, like do you have a – okay, Mickey's. You go to Mickey's mm-hmm. and you and you love the bar staff there. I do. E- even though some of them have completely different ideology than you do. Right. But you love them. Mm-hmm. Why? 
because you've cultivated that relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, mine is, you know, I stop at the same, I usually stop at the same gas station every day on the way to work and grab an iced tea or a donut or whatever. Like I just, you know, I stop in there and sometimes I stop in there not because I need something, but because I haven't stopped in, in a couple of days. So I'm going to stop in because when I walk in, they're like, oh, hey, Kelly, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. It's interaction. We crave that. Yeah. So, you know, I think our country does a poor job overall of cultivating relationships. hundred percent. There's, there's no question. And it, um, to our, to our detriment, but again, part of that is what built us into this, this place with the resources, the infrastructure and all of this is, um, when you put relationships second and you put accomplishing a task first, you get more tasks done. Um, so we, our, our loss is is in relationship, but our gain is in so much. The know, trade-off, yeah. It's That's why, you know, it is it's a tough. Because what's is. better? Right. You know, um, we talk about, like, so the church I go to, big church, right? And I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, oh, it's just gotten too big and it's too corporate now. And it's, you know, there's all this and there's that. And it's like everything's regulated and regimented. And it's really not. It's just there's a – if you're going to have a worship service that – if you're going to have two back-to-back worship services on a Sunday with 2,500 people and kids and everything else, you know, it's going to take some logistics to manage that. You don't just go, oh, free-for-all because it's crazy. You know, Does that mean it's straying from the core? No. But in some ways when you grow and get bigger, you have to have – systems put in place to help accommodate that because right. the the so is it a little more structured than it was five years ago yeah well right. what's the what's the trade-off it's just grows and it's just chaos and then nobody wants to come because yeah it's big but it's chaos right it's and and hope is big but what they can accomplish is greater right now you cannot know everybody at hope like you you cannot say i am I mean, no pastor there, and, and they've got what eight or nine pastors. Oh, they there's, probably got more than that. Yeah, they probably got ten or twelve. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. but they, I mean, there's no way you can say, "Well, pastor, you're at Hope," and uh, so it's just great to know all of my members. <laughs> right? I yeah. mean, you can't. So you, there, there's a trade off, but right. what they're able to do with the resources they have, um, you, so you trade knowing everybody for being able to put on phenomenal events, um, host things for for group sizes that are tremendous. Right. So you gain all this other stuff. Um, Living Faith is going through a transition. We started kind of in January because we're growing. We had to go from the mindset of um, we know everybody in our church to then we went to these two services. And now I'm like, so now you get to know everybody in your service. Mm-hmm. And and you're not going to know anybody in the other service. That's just how this is going to be now. You're not going to. And there's this mourning, this loss of transition of oh, I used to know everybody in church, and I and I don't anymore. Okay, but so what's the solution to that? Don't fight it. Don't fight it. And I would also say yes. So if that's if that's really a core issue of of wanting to know everybody in your church. Then and you have two services on Sunday. Then alternate your services. Yeah, even even then, that a, would that be a bad idea? It's not a bad idea, but it's it's still a it's a diminishing returns because I mean, if you alternated services at Hope, yeah. did you get to know everybody? <laughs> well, you're also talking right. No, but if you, I guess the point that and and shocker, I didn't articulate it very well. <laughs> but one of the ways that we 
you know, a lot of times I think we see, oh, well, this is happening, and rather than take action to advocate moving forward in the direction you want, we just shrink in. Yeah. You know, one of the things that in this article um, that was like the next point I had where it's, he says, I'm convinced that if devout believers of these religions would lead by example against hate crime, others would follow suit. To me, that statement jumps off the page at me because I'm convinced that that if devout believers of these religions would lead by example, others would follow suit. Okay, so how about you lead by example and let others follow suit? Why are we Why are we saying? And I don't know what this guy's um, religious, you know, beliefs are. I don't know if he has them. But if you're going to tell me that, well, I'm going to put the onus on the three main religions, which he listed as, you know, Judaism, uh, Muslim, and Christianity. I'm going to put it on them to lead. Why does it just – why do we have to be – there's a part of me as a Christian that goes, oh, you want to silence me everywhere else. <laughs> you don't want to hear what I have to say about these things, but now you want me to take the lead. Right. You know, I just – I think that's a very arrogant statement. I, I know for myself that if I want to see change in the world, I need to start being an advocate for that change. So if I want to see kids have more respect – you know, the big thing is, oh, our generation, these generation of kids don't have any respect. Don't blame the kids. Right. Blame the parents. Mm-hmm. So if I want my – if I want that, then I teach then I teach Carlos to have respect. Right. And then when Carlos goes to school, the way he shines his light to other people yeah. affects their behavior. Yeah. I, so I don't I, wait for – I don't wait for the teachers to teach my kid respect. <laughs> I teach my kid respect. Yeah, and, and I found that statement um, – Disingenuous and a bit offensive. So, right. My thought is his statement or mine. His statement. Yeah, oh, I better try harder. I find bit. you just offensive in general. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, my thought was okay. So, what are, are you saying that a we as as a Christian um, faith don't lead in the area? Right. Of, <laughs> That's so exactly my point. Are we perpetrators of hate crimes? Is are you seeing like this huge uptick recently of Christians going out and beating up black people because right. we're Christians and you're black? Yeah. Uh, excuse me? <laughs> so I, okay, so it, it sort of makes this assumption that we we are a part of the problem and not already part of the solution. And and secondarily, what is the solution? You know, what so you know, lead the fight against hate crimes. By doing what? How about I not commit them? Okay, I'm doing that. All right. What else you got for me? <laughs> so, well, what do you want me to do? That's, earlier when we opened up, I said, you know, people who bring ar- people who bring arguments and stuff like that, will, or or if you want to have an opinion, bring some meat to the table. You right. Know, if I'm having a barbecue, if you tell me, hey. Come over to the house. We're having a barbecue. You know what my first question is? Well, my first first response is sweet. What time do I need to be there? And then it's what do you need me to bring? Right. So if I'm coming to your table, if we're coming to the table, what can I bring? Right. You know. Now you're you're a you know you're a hunter. So I'm pretty confident I probably don't need to bring meat. Meat's good. We got it. Right. Got but if covered. you say, hey man, bring some <laughs> you know bring some drinks or bring some. You know what you could bring? You could bring plates and napkins so we don't have a whole bunch of dishes to clean up mm-hmm. afterwards. Bring something to the table. So if you're going to sit here and tell me that um, Christians should should lead by example here, and we should, well, then okay, one, give me, give me something. 
give me some facts here. Tell, yeah. Show me where we're not because, well, duh, Christians should lead and so should Muslims and so should Jews and so should atheists and so should – and here's the thing. Those people are doing it too. It's yeah. not just like we say, oh, well, you know, Christians, we are doing that. You know, there, there's Muslims that are doing that. There's Absolutely. Jews that are doing it. There's yeah. atheists that are doing it. So to, to make this a religious – Give this a religious connotation is ridiculous. It's right. kind of like the people when people say, "Oh, well, you know, religion, religion has caused more death and and war than in the history of mankind than anything else." And eh, false. It's just not true. Right. It's not true. And so, if, if we're supposed to, and and it also kind of, in my opinion, shows a bit of an ignorance um, on this guy's part. If indeed we're supposed to do these things to combat against. Hate crimes, the way in which Christianity does that is by proselytizing and conversion. We seek to – so we go where there's hate. We do this. We go where there's hate and we bring the love of Christ. We go where there is brokenness. We go where there is problems and we we preach Christ crucified. The second we do that, what do we hear? Ooh, that's good. We preach Christ crucified. Where would you get that from? (laughs) I I made that up on the spot. Oh, did you? That's awesome. (laughs) I felt inspired. yeah, so we uh, we we preach Christ crucified, and then what do we hear in response? Is hey, you can't push your faith on people, right? They, oh, well, hang on. So we we try and open um, a homeless shelter, try and do this, and we're we're going ah, but we can't support you in that because you're pushing your faith on people. So it's it's it is this misconception that you can have a Christian a Christianity that exists without the gospel, like it's a social club, you know, like right. we get together in Kumbaya. And like, yeah, okay, so like a couple times a year we talk about Jesus, but like, no, we're, we're Christians love Christ, and we we see so His that sacrifice permeates our worldview, <laughs> yeah. which permeates our politics. Yeah, and, right. But I would say if if all you're concerned about is reduction of of hate crime, Christianity is a great way to go. Right. So start throwing federal funding at it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Well, because there's another point where this guy goes on and he says, um, let's explore – and this is where we kind of started. Let's explore some of the – a sample of the commonalities. OK. We talked about the first one, monotheists who worship the same God of Abraham, of Abraham who is conceived as their eternal – yeah. OK. Well, I'll give you the monotheist part after that same God. I don't know that I'm going to – Well, it can't be, and, and it's as simple right. as, OK, so our God has a son. Right. <laughs> yours doesn't. So if so. we're talking about this, have you met Dave? Yeah, is, is that the guy with that kid um, named named Isaac? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, Dave, the, the kid, he doesn't have any kids. We'd come to the conclusion that we're talking, we're about, talking, two different guys. We're talking about two different guys. <laughs> right? And, well, that's the thing. Like, we, they're not the same. And, and to try to make them the same just for the play, oh, let's all just get along. No. But that, again, goes back to the fact of, okay, so – Dave's a different – we're talking about two different Daves. Yeah. Okay, so are we going to fight now because we're talking about two different Daves? No, we just go, oh, okay. Those two different guys. Two different guys. It doesn't have to be polarizing. Right. We we have to make it. The one that really jumps out to me here, and um, that's why this is good that this is not a Living Faith podcast (laughs) because to me this is complete horseshit. It says peace is central to all three. No, it's not. (laughs) Right. Now – Let's look at this not even from a theological standpoint, but from a from how it's applied socially. Okay, you look at let's take Christianity. Okay, our base point, our reference should be the scriptures, Jesus, 
right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's the most violent act that we ever saw Christ commit? Um, well, some would argue the turning over the tables. Okay. I, I don't think that was a violent act. Well, right, but that's what yeah. I'm saying. That's yeah. the most If that's the most outrageous um Violent act that you've ever seen that, you, that there's a record of Christ doing flipping right. the money tables, chasing people with whips. That could be kind of violent. Well, see, and there's the thing too is I think that's a misconception. He makes the whips to chase out all the critters. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think he was whipping that, people. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So, okay, but we could agree that that's probably the most yeah. over the top thing that you see. Pretty tame. Yeah. Okay. So Christ, we could say our founding prophet, most violent act. Flipping over some tables because people were taking advantage of the of the temple goers. Mm-hmm. Islam's founding prophet. A little bit more violent than that. Yep. Conquered an empire. A <laughs> little bit different. Now, there are p- pl- uh, parts where it was in self-defense. But at the end, if you do your world history, which I don't think that maybe Steve here has done – really done a lot <laughs> of uh, study on world religions – the wars towards the end, which eventually I believe led to the downfall of the Roman Empire, yeah. Constantine, mm-hmm. were not in self-defense. And they right. were also marked by forced conversions. Right. So Christ and the apostles, Muhammad and his followers. I'm not – all right, two different sects. Um, Christ, through example of nonviolent – Retaliation? That, I know that doesn't sound right, but like wh- his response. How, yeah, how was what was his response to hatred? Nonviolent to the point of death, right? Which yeah. also didn't defend himself, right? Which also set the precedence for how his followers, the early disciples, the apostles, were crucified, right? Mm-hmm. One of them upside down. Mm-hmm. So, okay, obedient to the point of death. Yeah, in the face of violence, which is another segue of people. Oh well, it's just a, a farce, dude. I've been in on some secrets before, and if they're false, you ain't crucifying me upside down. Like, I'm be like, okay, I give. Like, here's, here's the truth. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you know, two millenniums later, it still inspires people like Gandhi, yeah. Martin Luther King, and don't email me about how, oh, Martin Luther King was this and that. <laughs> I, I know. Just like all of us, he right. has skeletons in his closet, but here's the facts. The man was an advocate for change and peace. Yep. Okay, Nelson Mandela. I mean, those are all guys that took the the Christian example and followed it nonviolence. Yeah. Now you have jihadists when their faith is threatened in the same way Islam was in Muhammad's day. What? How do they respond? It's not. It's not peaceful. Okay, it's yeah. a difficult conversation to have. And we're, we're just but talking it, about violence at this point, physical right, violence. Right, um, And I would, I would make this other argument that Christianity fails the test of peace in um, not physical violence but peace when it comes to things like um, where Jesus says, I've you know, come to, to bring division in right. families. So the peaceful thing to do if, if – um, so we've got um, – a guy who's in our Wednesday Bible study who converted to Christianity and it cost him his family. Right. And um, he, I go, so the peaceful thing to do would be to reject Christ. If if peace is central to Christianity, if peace is the most important thing, then don't bring turmoil into your family by believing in Jesus. Right. And I go, okay, so there again, you know, 
Christianity is opposed to physical violence, but we absolutely understand that peace isn't the goal. It's relationship with a creator based off of the reconciliation of a redeemer, yeah. and that causes division. It, it causes unrest. It causes – I mean it, it causes unrest in, in somebody even when their whole family's on board. I mean it, it flips people's lives upside down where all of a sudden, oh, shit, I'm accountable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Oh shit! I got I, I believe in Jesus, and um, I've got to cut that relationship off. I've got to because um, that that is hurting my faith, and that that is cutting against my my relationship with my Savior. And I've I've got to change this. I mean, it, that's not peaceful. Peaceful is everybody chill out, everybody relax, just keep doing what you're doing. Don't worry, everything's cool. Keep on going. And that's not you be you, bro. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that's not what it is, right? And it. But it's a crutch, dude. Yeah, it's just a crutch for the week. Christianity is just a crutch for the week. That's what I, that's what I love when people. I, it's say. a great one. Yeah, it's like <laughs> really, it, it is, and I'll agree with them. It is a crutch. I would contend to you, my brother. The problem is, is you don't know your legs broke. Yeah, right. You know, but to say that I'm weak because I want to follow Christ. <laughs> yeah, okay. I I would love to meet somebody who who would like to say that Christianity is for the weak minded. Like, all right, you chill out with me for a week. And and you match my discipline. Yeah, bring it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and at the end and of I've week, considered myself to be a pretty good man of God. I'm flawed, but but pretty good. I don't right. I don't want your weekly regimen. I see those posts on Instagram. <laughs> four fifteen yoga check in. I'm like four fifteen. Put the Xbox controller down like an hour ago, dude. That's just that's just the physical stuff that I. Right. For me, that's that is spiritual in a way. But like um, examining the scriptures, the, the rigors by which we go through our day to try and match, you know, what what we do with a Christian proclamation, and it's I want to be careful here. It is not as though I'm, I'm living a life intended to please God, um, as much as I think that what pleases God as I live my life is beneficial for me, in that it. If what I'm doing is in line with his will, it isn't caustic and rubbing against and cutting against my faith. Um, I'm more at peace. I'm more at joy. But that takes – it is a lot like physical training, right? I feel physically good because I work out and I feel spiritually good because I spiritually work out. And and people are like, oh, it's it's for the weak. All right. Yeah. That's a weak person telling me that. Right. Well, it's that, <laughs> it's that false machismo. Yeah. You know? It's the same guy who goes, you're tired all the time. You work out too much. Yeah. <laughs> no, I worked out and I'm tired, but I'm going to feel freaking great out. later. <laughs> yeah. And to circle back to that you know, little tirade I went on about the Muslims, I, I'm not anti-Muslim. I mean, I, in a way I am. Because, because I don't want Christian. them. Yeah, I don't want them to <laughs> spread that message because I think there's – I think it's detrimental. Yeah. My hope is that um, the, that I could still have relationships with people that that uh, of a Muslim faith that are God honoring, right? You know, honoring for me to my God. I'm not really that worried about honoring their God, right? And they're not really worried about honoring mine. But we could still have we could still agree that okay. W- we're not going to kill each other because we believe different things. I think the problem is, is I, I think that most, I shouldn't say most. I think that you would that would meet heavier resistance in a Muslim culture than a Christian culture. Yeah. Now there's outliers in both of them, right? You know, and we can go back and, and find plenty of things 
in Christian history that people could come back and say, well, what about the Crusades sure. and what about this? And absolutely, it's it happened. But I think, again, when we look at it from a societal application, not a theological application, yeah. violence done in the name of Christ tells you nothing about Christ because right. it's contrary to all of his teachings and the way that he lived his life. Right. It tells you everything about the person. It tells you nothing about the person that they're emulating. Yeah, it tells you about evil and sin. You go back to <laughs> at the right. You go back to the end of Muhammad when he <clears throat> conquered that last empire to wipe out paganism. I mean, it was forced conversions, mm-hmm. forced conversions, convert or die, and we still see that today with members of. Yeah. Of ISIS. Well, that's extreme. Okay, but it's still done in – why is it that when we see hate done and someone's yelling, Allah Akbar or whatever it is they're yelling, well, that, that's really not a true indication of the Muslim faith. Yeah. But if a guy with a cross around his neck does something stupid – it's all Christianity. It's all Christianity. So yeah. there's like it's just it doesn't line up. Yeah, it's it, it's part of the um, the burden of being the big kid on the block. I mean that right. I get it. Um, but so but so, it's articles like this that perpetuate that. Yeah, and and there's this this article I think illustrates the perfectly this false impulse, and and I think it's it's lazy academics. So, so back to this weak minded this impulse for. Um, secularism or people who are spiritual or whatever they are to try and make all religions the same instead of saying, well, they we can put them on equal standings um, as far as their significance or equal standings as far as rights and abilities to proclaim and still say they're different and there's diversity and we can be – and this, this whole impulse to, for everything – like we think equal and the same are, are the same thing. Right, so equal and identical are two different things. It's just like the, the debate with gender. This right. this is crazy. So we're we're getting pressed that men and women are equal. And I go, cool. I think there is the same value for both genders because um, I do believe that there's not seventy two of them. But we can, that's another conversation for another day. But men and women equal, so they're the same. Well, no. We're not the same. <laughs> there's differences, but we can we can embrace the differences and be equal. Well, there's this idea that if, if there is a difference between us, then we must not be equal. You know, we, we have to be the same in order to be equal. That oh, you got my wheel crazy. spinning because I was listening to a, a sermon last week. Um, I was listening to a, a, a podcast and Matt Chandler was talking about. He was talking about it was a really good sermon. It was talking about man, it was talking about manhood and you know being a man and what it really means to be a man. Talked a lot about the the false machismo that's out there and there was a line in there where he talks about and I'm trying to find it if I can find it in the transcript. But it just hit me. It's so true. It, basically, in a nutshell, he was talking about different, the same yet dis, you know, but different, right? And I don't, I'll mess it up. So, Matt, I know you listen to me every week, so don't, don't get mad at me. But, no, but I mean he's talking about just, just because you know men and women are created equal, but they are created for different roles. And so because of those different roles, doesn't it doesn't mean that men are better or women are worse or vice versa. It right. means that we have just different distinctions. Right. And we should embrace that. And that's – I think kind of to the tune of what you're saying. Yeah, we've we've placed the value on the roles, and that that 
drives me crazy. But I was just talking with somebody um, at our Wednesday Bible study. We keep bringing that up. Wednesday Bible study is amazing. It um, is good. We talked about um, the gender stuff. Somehow, I don't even remember how we got there, but somebody asked, we're talking about Kenya again. Somebody asked, well, is it a, a patriarchal society and, and culture? And I go, ah, they just have a different concept of all of this stuff going on than we do. Um, and the example I gave was, so right now there's, well, no, not right now, last several decades, there's been a press towards education, making it affordable and available as much as possible. And I said, so um, it, when most of the country is uneducated and now all of a sudden you're rural farmer, goat herder, you've got a pile of kids and suddenly you can send some of your kids to school, who do you send? And with without a... Uh, everybody was on the same page except for one guy. He, one guy got it right. Everybody always gets it wrong. They always go, oh, you send the boys. And they go, no. Mm-hmm. And the other guy goes, no, 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 you send the girls so the boys can stay back and work because they're strong. They, men tend – here's again a difference. And I'm not saying it's better or worse, but they tend to be stronger, um, are able to work harder, bear more of a load, send the girls off to education – so their disparity in education and and so who who gets the better jobs, higher paying jobs, more educated people. So who's getting the jobs? Where is the the pay discrepancy in Kenya? Women. Mm. Interesting, right? And so the, then the question was, how is that going over? And I go, it's going over a lot like it is here. Only the the roles are reversed. <laughs> so, so it's interesting, right? But it's it's. It's interesting the way that you can look at that and have a, uh, you know, an aerial perspective as mm-hmm. opposed to on the ground perspective. You know, we look at things so many times at our at our issues in America, and we we're, we're looking parallel, we're looking directly, and which makes sense because they're staring us in the face. Right. But when we look at go to Kenya, we're able to look from an aerial perspective, you know, outside looking in because it's not, I don't want to say it's not directly affecting us because, you know, it is. Right. But it's not, we're not directly engaged in it. So we can look yeah. from above. And I just, I think that that if, if we could take that and apply it at home a little bit and, and try to step back yeah, and look at it from, from a different point of view, I think our, our views on it would change a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But, but back to the, this article just pissed me off because it, it immediately – the premise is end hate crimes. Everybody's on board except for people who perpetuate hate crimes, right. which is expected. So all of us, you know, um, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, we're all on board you know, in the United States. Let's, let's go that direction. And the reason why we should all go in that direction is because you're all basically the same. Hold on. They're not. <laughs> we can all go in that direction, whether you're atheist, agnostic, um, you're a Satan worshiper, or I don't care what you are when it comes to solving hate crime. But let's, let's – why is it that we have to assume that and, – and, and this is kind of talking about our country a little bit. This bothers me about our country is this move towards more and more federal law, uh, more and more federal regulation, trying to make all of this – the United States, um, a United State, uh, instead of these United States. Uh. Right. So, I mean, part of the benefit of where we live is this diversity. Now, we should all be able to get around, you know, get our heads around. Well, okay, so racism, 
that that's a thing that we shouldn't allow in this state, but not in that state, right? Well, <laughs> we fought a war over this, right? <laughs> like, I'm sitting here laughing, but it's funny because I had a conversation with my brother on Easter. We should get my brother Kevin in. <laughs> Both my brothers are awesome. Don't get me wrong. We, if you got the three Lindbergh boys in here and we started talking, it would be complete chaos. <laughs> you got me, and then you got one brother who's in law enforcement, and then you got another brother who <laughs> is an accountant by trade, but he also is like very – like he just loves politics, and he's one of those guys that's – creepy smart mm-hmm. and can just like say things to kind of like get the pot going he just but we were him and I, kevin and i were having a conversation and one of the things he said over um over easter when him and i were talking he's like i'll tell you the solution right now we just go back to the founding fathers idea we just go back to back there we just have 13 we have 13 colonies mm-hmm. we break the united states down into 13 colonies and if you want to believe this you go to that you go to california and that's your colony mm-hmm. if you want to believe in this you go up to michigan and that's your colony you want right. to believe, you know he goes and, and and put the put it back the way it's supposed to be 13 states 13 colonies 13 regions mm-hmm. and the only thing that we come to get the only thing that federally what we do is is for defense purposes yeah, just to, to keep us from becoming invaded but you know you want to you want a, you want abortion to be illegal or legal you go live in this state you want christianity to be outlawed you go live in this state you want free access to all kinds of guns you go live in this state mm-hmm. you know now and then you you make state laws tougher for that state so if you live in michigan and you have free access to guns and you go to California with your gun, not going to end well for you. You're probably going to get locked up for a while. Yep. And you, this is your little playground, and you stay there. And at first, people are like, oh, well, that's just back to segregation. It It is, but it's the free grouping of individuals as well. Yeah. I, I think that's the part of our problem is we are too big. But <clears throat> the, the diversity of, of 50 different states is – is really cool because you know Iowa is different from California, is different from Utah, is different from here, and and to to try and again we're we're back to no 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 we're all the same because we're all Americans, but I, we're not. Yeah, <laughs> bullshit. I mean, you you pluck somebody out of um, Southern Louisiana and somebody out of Northern Minnesota and put them in a bar together. And they barely speak the same language. They don't speak the same language. <laughs> you know, it's don't like, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's. It is different. Um, well, but it's different, um, you know, not just that, but I mean, like, it's cool when that can come together for the different cultures. Like, yeah. you know, my, um, it's funny that you should bring that up because my bosses are both originally like roots in Michigan. Yeah. Okay. And, but both spend a lot of time in Louisiana, in uh-huh. New Orleans. Uh-huh. One of my bosses actually married a girl from Louisiana. And they live here now. Moved him up to Iowa. Whoa. <laughs> so, well, what the cool thing is, is like during crawfish season. So, so Casey, uh, my boss's wife, her, uh, her sister and brother-in-law, I think, own this company called Bayou Bounty Crawfish. So a lot of times we'll get crawfish just flown fresh up uh-huh. from, oh, from Louisiana. Like by the time it hits Iowa, it hasn't even been out of the water that long. It yeah. Packed in ice, you know, dry ice, and it's frozen. And we'll go over to Mark and Casey's and have a big crawfish boil. And, it, I mean, it's just phenomenal. So the way it can blend those cultures yeah. is different. But you do see when people uh, people from that region come up here to Iowa, things are different. Oh, yeah. Because they're not like something as simple as going out to eat. 
you know, like I have my buddy Mark. He's my boss, Mark. He's from Louisiana, right? Spent a lot of time in Louisiana. Wife's family from Louisiana. Cajun food, like real Cajun cooking. Mm -hmm. If you suggest to him that we go to Jethro's Cajun food, he's like, (laughs) no. He'll get his red beans and rice and be like, what the hell is this? Uh It's just not going to work for him. But it's it's cool to see the way that they blend. Yeah, we we can't fall into this trap of – trying to make everything the same, like celebrate the diversity. And that, again, how interesting the article about ending hate crime has in mind a, this idea of diversity because it, it mentions you – know, so the hate crimes against – let me read the sentence here. If they did, maybe they would change any bias they had against other religions, not to mention how they felt about people who are LGBTQ, black, brown, white, etc. Change begins with self-awareness. So <laughs> change begins with self-awareness. <laughs> so you should lead. <laughs> change begins with self-awareness. And the first thing you need to be aware of is that we're all the same. Right. Uh, so <laughs> so there's not LGBTQ, black, brown, white, etc. Yeah. Because we're all the same, right? Well, no, we're not all the same. There's people committing crimes against some of these people who are different. Yeah. So e- we should make us the same? I don't, I don't understand. Like, ugh, like it doesn't it doesn't click. It doesn't make any sense to me. We have to be willing to say um, we're going to extend equal um, rights and privileges, and and just in you know all things legal. But then, just as people, let's be extend the same courtesy, respect, kindness, and love to all people. I'm on board with you because we're all the same. No, no, no. Because people are valuable, right? And. And there is where I think he missed this huge opportunity to say all of these religions believe in very different gods, very different means of salvation, very different means um, redemption. Yeah. Or be, but all of these religions believe that their god loves people and would like them in their fold. And so we should value them all because if if Allah wants these people – and Yahweh wants these people. Jesus wants these people. The God of Abraham wants these people. All these people, these people must be valuable. Yeah, it's like a fantasy draft, dude. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> where everybody is is equally loved and valuable. It's, it's like a it's like the NFL draft where every pick is a first round pick, right? <laughs> so they're all valuable. They should all be loved. Yeah, we should we should stop. Doing hate crimes against each other because everybody is valuable. I think they're valuable because of Jesus. You think they're valuable because of Muhammad? Yeah. We disagree. So, but what, but what <laughs> we do agree on is they're valuable, right? You know, and 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 several conversations you and I have discussed is I think one of the biggest ways to resolve conflict and diffuse conflict and start to work towards resolution is to the the focal point can be where are we similar. Mm -hmm. And we start there and then we build from that and then we can can determine whether or not our differences separate us. And I don't think our differences need to separate us as much as they do. For sure. The the next point that that guy makes in there because you said – you were talking about one well, I've got highlighted here is while the believers pray in different ways, they are all seeking salvation in the same manner. Well, not at all. <laughs> right. So this is my <laughs> problem with this article. And I, I guess if I look at it, it says, you know, it does say guest commentator. Yeah. So there's no like the guy, maybe not a journalist or whatever, obviously not. But you're just it's just not true. Yeah. We do pray in different ways. That's true. Um, 
they are all seeking salvation in the same manner. Not most definitely not. not and and you know we can beat that to death. But it's just I wonder when I read this, how many people picked this up in the Des Moines Register and are now sharing this on Facebook, spouting off debates about it, talking using this as talking points to to bolster their yeah. their position. And it's like it's just there's so many falsities in it. Yeah, there's a great book, um, Stephen Prothero. I think that's how you say his last name, but it's God is not one. And he does – the only critique I have of the book is that it's so exhaustive. It's like if, if somebody wants to show you the difference between brown and black, showing you 10,000 different shades of brown, would be like, dude, four would be cool. Right. <laughs> you know, like that's – I'm good with that. But like he, he just walks through every every religion – like every religion and goes, here is how this one is not the same as this one. And this one is – and he, he doesn't give any critique on – It's just facts. Yeah. He, does, he doesn't even say if he's a Christian or if he's a, if he's a Muslim. I mean um, if you do some research, you'll discover more about his faith background. And I think he's a professor – I want to say Yale – um, so smart guy, smart guy, <laughs> but like he just, he just comes to the conclusion. Like, look, we, we can't sit here and say it's the same thing. It's and, not the same. Yeah. Thing. With, with salvation, you've, you've got the, the most clear distinction between Christianity and Islam you could ever imagine where Christianity, regardless of denomination, I mean, some, some will skew it a little bit towards works and doing things, works, righteousness, but they all will say it's based off of the work of this one Savior named Jesus. His work is our salvation. Um, it's not what we do. And you get well, you have to do a little bit. Okay, so we can debate like on the mm-hmm. on the small corrections and differences, the nuances. Yeah, but like Islam is like no, no, no. You got things to do yeah. for salvation. Here's here are the five pillars, right? <laughs> and and you know here's how you do them. Pray five times a day. It's all about you do checklist, these things. Checklist, checklist, and you got it. But yeah, it's very different. Now you could make the argument that there's there's elements of the Christian faith that say you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do that, but it's different. It is because because it's, it's still like there's a central. Okay, so there's a central point of. Salvation is from Jesus. Right. Okay. Now access that salvation. Now access that salvation. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think there's, again, what's the what's the pastoral word? Ecumen- ecumenical. Ecumenical. There's, you know, where we're of one faith. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm Lutheran. Um, you're some strange um, cult. Me? Yeah, I'm not sure what ELCA is anymore, but I'm <laughs> sure that it's not. Yeah. I'm sure that it's not Christian. Um, it's the Everyday Lutheran Church of America, isn't it? Isn't that what it stands for? Uh, I mean, I don't like know. That. That's my Bible is the ESV. They told me that that stood for elect standard version. <laughs> but yeah, we. So we have this. Um, our, our Lutheran tradition for both of us is, is putting a square in the camp of we don't do things for our salvation, right? And then from there, you, you get the slight. Okay, so Jesus does everything, and now you respond. And that's that's a tiny little thing to do, right. and that's kind of outside the Lutheran camp. But it's like one baby step outside the Lutheran camp, and then you've got well, you have to respond, and also, but that is to access this thing that Jesus gives to us. So, but it, it all it all boils down to God acts on our behalf for our salvation, right? And then you've got sort of this sliding scale of how much you have to do. We in the in the camp of nothing, some in the camp of a fair amount. Um, 
but regardless, that's but a we're still whole, brothers in Christ. Yeah, and it's it's still but we're not brothers in Christ with <laughs> someone who practices the five pillars, right? Because they're not in Christ, and there's there's no God acted for me, right? There is this no God sacrificed Himself. Whether you think the sacrifice is something you have to access by doing a little bit or by doing nothing. You're still basing it off of God acted for me in this sacrifice, right? And the five pillars of, of Islam, no space for that. Yeah, yeah. God doesn't act for you. Yeah, <laughs> and what you get to work? Well, and the, one of the things that I think is ironic with this is the fact that you know we talk about being tolerant. This guy goes on a little bit later uh, to talk about being tolerant of you know. I think you mentioned it. Uh, if not to mention how they felt about people who are LGBTQ, black, brown, white, etc. Okay, let's talk about that mm-hmm. because if you are of the – let's just take the first one, the LGBTQ community. Are you welcome in church? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean you should be. If you're out there and you're listening to this and, and you fall into that community and you feel like you're not welcome – to go to church, I got news for you. I know of at least for one hundred percent certain two churches that you are welcome to come to. Yeah. One is the church that I go to, Lutheran Church of Hope, and the other one is Living Faith that I attend regularly. I can tell you, you will be oh, you will be welcomed with open arms. Hundred percent, hundred percent, come. <laughs> and if you come, I can't speak for here, but I, and I will. But <laughs> I can tell you this: if you come to Hope and someone treats you poorly. Because uh, or looks at you, or you feel ostracized because of your sexual orientation, come find me. Nine a.m. service, about four rows from the front on the left side. Come find me if those because if they're making you feel, I'll go up and call them out because there's no there's no room for that in church. Yeah, I'll choke them out. Yeah, I'll choke them. I'll punch them in the throat. I don't <laughs> care. So back to the violence that I think is there's a place for it. There's a place for it. I've been trying to talk to pastors for years to start the ministry of pain, and nobody wants to do it. But anyway, so come now. Let's flip that. What is the what is the Muslim? Mm. Response to being homosexual in Muslim-based countries throw you off a roof. Yeah, it's death. So again, I'm kind of taking this personally a little bit because it seems like a lot of shots get taken at Christians for not being tolerant. Okay, right. it's just that's not true. Tolerance, by definition, means to to allow something to exist. Yeah, I am not throwing gay people off a roof. Okay, good to and know. I wouldn't good to know, right? Because number one, like I said earlier, there's just no, <clears throat> we all need a savior. Whether your sin is whatever it is, and you know whatever, we allow the existence of that. Muslims don't. Right. <laughs> you go to Muslim-run countries, and they'll kill you for being gay. Yeah. So who's really being intolerant? Um, I, again, there's just so many parts to this article. There's another part down here. It says, uh, a role model is to emulate the Cedar Valley Interfaith Alliance, eight countries in Northeast Iowa that are comprised of Buddhist, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, and Unitarian Universalists. The group opposes bigotry and bullying, defends minorities, protects religious freedom, and promotes secularism, pluralism, and understanding among all people. Well, I got news for you, Steve. There's a lot of places besides this, the Cedar Valley Interfaith Alliance that does that. And I'm not knocking them. Good for them for doing that and making it known. But it's not like they're the only, they're the only people that are doing it. 
Right. You know, there's there's plenty of activities right here in the Des Moines area where people are bringing together people of various backgrounds and faith to, to cultivate learning. Sure. Sure. And awareness. And I would say too that, you know, I, I don't know anything about that. I, I even failed to Google that interfaith alliance thing, but I always get aggravated immediately when I hear that sort of a thing, especially about the you know promoting pluralism and such, because I know that the the orthodox um, and I don't mean Christian orthodox the orthodoxy of all of those faiths and religion are opposed to pluralism, and <clears throat> people say, well, but those it's advancing, it's changing, we have to change. You can't change something um, so much that it's beyond its its um, core values from where it was instituted. And still call it the same thing. Um, so you can't say that that there is this group of churches with um, Muslims included that are all for pluralism because they're not. Right. Because they're not Muslim then because that's not a Muslim thing and it's not a Christian thing. Right. You know, it's, it's a universalist thing. <laughs> it's it's some of these other things maybe, but it, it isn't – it'd be like if I was like, hey, Kelly, I want you – I want to invite you to this uh, – CrossFit group that I do, uh, we get together. We do CrossFit, but we can't talk about it. Seven, well, we do it seven times a week. <laughs> CrossFit, it's awesome. Just come to my house. You show up at my house, and I'm sitting on the couch eating a donut, watching TV. Yeah. And I'm like, isn't this CrossFit great? Right. <laughs> it's not CrossFit. <laughs> You're not doing that. I go, no, I know, but it, it, we're we, gonna talk about it. We used to do a lot of like lifting and jumping and stuff, and then we just did lifting, and then we decided that that was kind of hard on our joints, and so we just decided that sitting on the couch and so it's advanced, it's progressed, you know. We're like, transcending. Yeah, you can you can go ahead and sit on the couch and eat donuts, but you can't call that CrossFit, right? <laughs> so you you can go ahead and and have these groups that that promote pluralism and cool but and, that's and not, call it what it is and to be honest with you i'll have more respect for you but i don't right. think just me but just people <laughs> in general because what what especially i think american males and, and americans but especially american males hate the most is people that are fake yeah. so if if you want to be something then just be that like but but don't try to disguise it as something that it's not. Ah, uh, it's the pump fake. I hate the pump fake of a hey, Christian yeah. this and this and Christians. But we're the kind of Christians that that worship with Muslims. Oh, <laughs> so you're not. Yeah. <laughs> like, so just don't call yourself Christian, right? But but say that hey, you know what? I practice a version of spirituality or religion, whatever you want to call it, where we bring different faiths together to try to unite to one faith. Yeah. Well, what is it? Well, it's Christianity. No. I don't think it is. You're an interfaith organization with social-minded... You with know, a social conscience. You know, basically the Salvation Army. Yeah. <laughs> Which is cool. And good for you. Like, I'm not saying that we shouldn't cross those lines, but to, again, to say that we're all the same is definitely yeah. not true. And you don't need to do that. You don't, you don't need to say it and still do good things. Well, you're a pastor. Uh-huh. And you read the and you read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay. I read the Bible. So oh, I'm, the so I'm a pastor, right? We're the same thing. Yeah, so we're the same thing. No, we're not. <laughs> we're not the same thing. We we believe the same things and we have the same but I am not I I'm not you. Right. And, and I'm not a pastor, even though sometimes on airplanes I lie and tell people <laughs> so I can talk to them about Jesus. I love that about you. But and yet that that's not going to hold us back from hey that that park needs to get cleaned up. Okay, let's go clean it yeah. up. You know, so if if a, a Muslim um, came to me and was like, hey, my my mosque would like to work with your church to clean up this area where there's a lot of trash and and some bad things going on. Um, make it safer for kids downtown. Would you be willing to do that? Well, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Why would I not want to help kids? Right. <laughs> and, of course. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't no. get some of your Muslim Well, that on depends. Me. Are those kids coming to my church? <laughs> I don't want no. to get your Islam on me. Ew. That's one of the things that I heard an interesting perspective uh, <laughs> last week on Christian schools. Mm. And I heard and I, and I heard a story about a guy who is very um, he does he's very big in the faith, um, but he's not an advocate of Christian schools. Uh-huh. And I was like, why not? And they said, well, because if you put all the Christian kids in Christian schools, how do you evangelize? I, I don't disagree with that. Thinking. And, I, and I thought about that, and I thought, you know, that see for me, that's something I never even thought about. Mm-hmm. Like because I've never even had a conversation about it. Well, Christian schools, right? You put them in. You put them in a Christian school, so they're going to get a Christian. Well, that's arguable anyway. Whether right. or not how Christian is it, uh, not to knock it, but right. it's like Christian music. Okay, is it really Christian music? Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> is it authentic? Whatever. But so yeah, you put Christian kids in Christian schools. How right. do you evangelize in public schools? Well, the, and the question becomes: Is your Christian school a place where Christian kids get more Christian? Cool. So you're, so you're building strong disciples. Or is your Christian school a place where people become – kids become Christians? Yeah. Because those are two very different schools. Right. And there's value to each. But kind of what we were talking about before, you give up. So if, if it's a place where Christian kids become more Christian, you're giving up them being a Christian witness in the public school. Right. Maybe they're – maybe what you're saying is – Invest more in them to make them stronger to go to those other places, sports, whatever it is, and have a Christian witness to them. I'm cool. Let's let's just and this this is where a, a lot of Lutheran schools have gone sideways. Is they keep trying to man trying to make it the same thing. We're back to um, we can call them different things. They can be different things. Figure out the advantages of them, but it's not the same. So the school I was or the church I was at in Michigan had a school and. And some of the parents tried to argue over and over again that part of the great value of this is it's such a great outreach. And I went, it's a great outreach to who? Right. Because how many unchurched kids come to our school? Zero. Okay. And if you're a non-member and you send your kid to our school, we charge you more? So tell me any other God, outreach. Jesus is going to come start flipping some tables pretty soon. <laughs> tell me any other outreach ministry where we charge people at all. Like, right. like if you were to go and, and hold an event and say our, our church is holding this, this outreach event, we're inviting the community in, um, it's going to cost them $20. We're but, having winter jam, but if you don't wear a cross around your neck, we're going to charge you an extra 10 bucks. Yeah, right. You've got to be able to recite a Bible verse to get in. Right. It's, it's free for our members. <laughs> right. But for the community, we're going to charge you. What the fuck? Ah! <laughs> You're so upside down and backwards that it's it's not outreach. I mean, what? So, anyways, I'm I'm not opposed to, but if we're if you're call Christian, it what it is, yeah. If your Christian school is really an outreach, you charge your members twice as much, and you give it away free to unchurched kids from bad neighborhoods. In, in a tough situation and give them a Christian upbringing. That is outreach. Right. Oh, but that costs us money. Outreach that always costs cost you money. something. <laughs> outreach <laughs> is not it's not income. It's outreach. Right. Like, well, I I was gonna do outreach, but um I found out that I'd have to spend some time yeah. doing it. <laughs> well, I was really wanting to do like service work and then I 
found out that like I had to actually like it, it took a lot of my time. Oh well, yeah, and it was work, and it was work. <laughs> you know, uh, I was listening. I went to this thing called the Global Leadership Conference a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. um, and there's there's parts about the Global Leadership Conference that I think are really great. I've I think yeah. I, I think as the years have progressed, I've gained. I, I, I've, there's some of the speakers. I'm just kind of like, yeah, I just don't know if I agree with that person anymore but the the best one i ever went to was about three or four years ago and they had this guy who's a pastor i think in california and his name is chris brown vaguely and, familiar with him and yep. uh personality wise i would say a lot like you just from the limited mm-hmm. what i heard him speak and one of the things he said that kind of always stuck with me was yeah everybody wants to be a team player when they're the quarterback Mm-hmm. What about when you're the offensive lineman? Mm-hmm. You know, so and it, it, it's true. Like, oh yeah, I'm all about outreach and I'm all about service, but I don't know that I have like, it, oh, I don't, I don't want to go clean up homeless camps and get my <clears> hands <throat> dirty. I don't yeah. want to go rake leaves. I don't or, feel called. That's to do not that. really my calling. <laughs> well, okay, uh-huh. you know. Now there are. I, I do know people that are a little bit older in a different season of life and maybe and, sure. and they can't they can't like it would be really hard for them to physically go out and do some of that stuff yeah. but they're well they're blessed in the area of finances yep. and they will write a nice check for someone else to go on a mission trip yeah. and we need those people too oh yeah so it's not like if you don't get your hands dirty you're not you know but if you have the ability to get your hands dirty get your damn hands dirty yeah no, i i was talking to a so Back to our Kenya mission trips. I mean, there's I've said this a hundred times before. There's there's women, um, older ladies in our church who can't go to Kenya. I mean, the flight would kill them. Right. And I go, man, if you're if you're 85 years old and um, you love the mission, then you know. And and I don't even want you to write a check. If if you feel moved to do it, do it. Just pray for us. Right. That's a huge thing. And tell people about it. And just be proud of your church doing mission work in Kenya. Right. That's cool. Um, and then I was talking to a guy. A pastor buddy of mine, and I brought it up. I was like, "Man, I think it'd be cool if you went." And I, had, I had forgotten. I, I knew he had like a couple of medical issues when we were in seminary together, but I just didn't know the depth of it. He starts rattling it off. I was like, "Yeah, you can't go." Yeah, sorry, uh, I'll kill you. <laughs> kill you. <laughs> and he's, you know, he's my age. He's he's forty years old, and right. and you would look at him and think he's the the picture of health. But I was like, Ooh, "That's not, not yeah, your spleen and liver and this and that and well, one and kidney all the, and nasty." <laughs> I mean, like. Yeah. And that's another thing a lot of people don't realize that have never been to third world or underdeveloped countries. The the toll it can take on your immune system when you first get there is huge. Like I remember going to Panama when I was in the service and the malaria pills and all that other stuff. And the first like the first week I was in country, man, I was just sicker than dog. Yep. Because it's all this stuff they're putting in you to protect you from to protect you to keep you healthy and it ends up knocking you in the dirt. It's oh, like, yeah. Ugh. So yeah. yeah. But what's great about those opportunities, um, I think what we gain more than we ever give. Like so we have we're at the point where it's almost twenty five percent of our worshiping community has been on a mission trip to Kenya. Yeah. And that infusion of outreach and excitement and all of that is worth far more than we spend sending people on these trips. But what we, I think the reason why is because it's so different because you, you can, you can pluck a guy from Northern Minnesota and from Southern Louisiana, put them in a bar together and maybe they have the same skin tone. You know, they, they have a basic sense of how the country works and they're paying with the same money. Um, the, you know, one's not using a different currency. They're, 
so there's enough similarities that the differences can actually kind of both probably love guns. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> but there's there's the differences then tend to be um, they kind of rub against each other. Right. You know, like we have enough in common that we can actually talk for a minute about our differences and how they bother us. Um, well, you go to Kenya and it's so different that you can't even be like. I mean, it's it's like you've landed on a different planet and then you discover. The only thing that we have in common, instead of having all things in common and a few differences, we have all things are different. The one thing we have in common is we're both going to die. Don't you wish there was a solution to that? Let me tell you about this guy I know. Let me tell you about this dude. (laughs) Yeah, and that – boom. That's that's what makes those things so powerful. Always look for the similarities. Like I like walking into Subway and seeing like the party platter thing up there, looking at the lady – Feeds feeds twelve, huh? <laughs> you know, I got a guy that could feed two thousand. Let me tell you about him. I like it. <laughs> like what? Yeah. yeah, crazy stuff. But yeah, I mean, it is like when you again when sometimes when all you have left is that one thing to cling to. It's, that that can all the bullshit gets out of the way, right? You know, it's we don't have to figure out like that. That's I think having all things in common with somebody you're trying to to minister to is is harder than when everything is so different. Because, we can't provide a different perspective. Right. Right. Ugh, it's such an advantage. You, you're talking about gas station guy um, in, in relationships there. I invited my gas station guy to church to Easter last week, and it was such a great conversation because it's similar. He and I you know, kind of built this relationship over time. We walk in. We say hi to each other. Uh, he knows what I'm buying, and I've got exact change, and it's just this great little conversation. And um, he was telling me how he's scheduled every morning, and I go, oh, they're not even letting you off for Easter? And he goes, nah, I'll go to church on Saturday night. And I was like, whew, here I'm in. And I go, oh, where you go to church? And St. Boniface Catholic Church. And cool, man. So we this real quick conversation about that, and um, I said, oh, that is awesome. You know, I'm, it was actually Easter Sunday morning then. He was working again, and he was, he was like, Should take him a cinnamon roll? I I have bought him a donut. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm heading off to uh, uh, to church, and he's like, Oh, where are you go to church? I said, Living Faith Lutheran Church down the road. And he goes, Cool. How long have you been there? And so we're having this conversation, and it finally dawns on him that I'm the pastor of the church. And he's like, Oh, <laughs> I said, Yeah, because he was asking what time church was. Right. It, was it was like five thirty in the morning, and church is at nine. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're getting in there early. You must oh, be. What do you What do you do there? I make the coffee. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good when it sits for a couple hours before people drink it. <laughs> but it's see, I love conversations like that because then it's like the the faith aspect of it um, this comes up naturally. Mm-hmm. You know, I think people always talk about. Oh, I just find it really hard to evangelize, and to, that's because you're trying to you're trying to lead with the you're trying to lead with the what's the, I don't know what I'm with the focal point. Yeah, which I mean, this doesn't work. Yeah, like you Hi, can't just go and walk up to somebody and be like, <laughs> "Do you do, do is Jesus your savior? Have you put your blah blah blah?" Freak! I mean, I believe in Jesus, and He is my only hope for salvation. I believe that with all my heart. But if you walk up to me on the street and start saying that, I'm gonna be like. Dude, what is your deal? Like, yeah. you build some relationships with people, you know? Yeah. This guy was drawn to you. Why? Because of the way you carry yourself, because of the conversation, because yeah. you, you know, something as simple as calling your gas station attendant by his name. Right. Hey, Brent. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, this guy, like, takes, you know, this guy takes time, you know, or when somebody says, 
The one thing I always try to do when I walk into a place like that is I look at the person as I'm going up. Yeah. And I get a gist for them. And far too often I see people that are just exhausted. They're just exhausted, exasperated. Yeah. Like I went into Sam's Club the other day. I was having a problem with my membership. And I walked up and the lady's like, I could just tell as I was walking up. She was having one of those days. So I walk up and she's like kind of like trying to feign interest. Yeah. She's like, hi, how are you? Or she's like, she's like, hi, how are you? What can I help you with? And giving me that kind of look. And I was just like, I'm great. But before we get started, more importantly, how are you today? And she kind of looked at me and I said, no, you, you okay? I said, you look, you look tired or just stressed. And she's like, Oh, I'm sorry. And I'm like, no, it's okay. Like, um, I just wanted you to know that someone notices. Oh, I'm just, our computers are just going slow and it's hard for memberships. And I said, oh, I said, well, I was actually coming in to talk to you about my membership. But if now's not a good time, I can come back later when your systems are functioning. She's like, you would really do that? And I was like, well, yeah. What what else would I do? And she's like, well, most people just get angry and mad. And I'm like, well, that doesn't solve anything. Like, it's not <laughs> your fault. So I think the way that we deal with people and acknowledge what's going on in their life sets a, sets a precedence and sets a tone. And in some ways, to circle back to how we kick this off, is the solution for those hate crimes. Yeah. You know. You treated her almost as if she was more valuable than your membership. Right. Because she is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You know, it's crazy. And I think that that's when we talk about a lot about Christianity is Christianity is hard. You know, I think it's a fair statement to say the the concept of Christianity is fairly easy. Yeah. Love yeah. God, love people. Really, if I had to boil it down, the application of it is hard. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I think we make it harder than it needs to be. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at if – we, if we were to take that, and I know there's people out there that will be like, well, it's just not all about love. Well, I, yes, it is. The, 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 the greatest commandment is about love. Yep. So there's all these other commandments, yes, and there's all these other things that God commands us and asks us to do. But the greatest commandment is to love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So love, love. And I look at a guy like I look at a kid like my son Carlos, who just loves people, man. And yeah. what what what's the return of that? Everywhere Carlos goes, people <laughs> are like Carlos, and they, they, you know. So he's like surrounded in it everywhere he goes. Why? Because he just loves people. He doesn't know a stranger. So I think, man, if I just love people, and, and I think when we maybe when we talk about that, love does not always come with the condition of agreement. Or, you know, like I, I, I love people that I don't agree with. Right. And isn't – if we were to take a biblical approach to it, what is a biblical defini- – what is our biblical definition of love? comes from Corinthians, right? Mm-hmm. Love is patient. Love is kind. The one that they love to read at weddings. Okay. The one I said, I do not want this read my way. <laughs> read it everywhere. But love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not rude, arrogant, boastful. It does not demand its own way. Okay, well, wouldn't it be great if that was true? Right. Like, so if I really say that I love my wife or I love this person, then I'm not going to demand that you think the way that I think to give you my love. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to agree with everything you say. I can love somebody who is a Muslim. I don't agree with your 
with your theology, with your with your religion, but I'm going to love you as a person and treat you with dignity and respect. Absolutely. It's almost as if the answer to these hate crimes isn't trying to be the same thing or finding all this, but it's love. Yeah. But when, but when you happen to talk about that, like then what happens when you start – don't you see it a lot where as a Christian and we start talking about what the solution is love. Love is the answer, right? One of the best theological movies I've ever watched, Natural Born Killers, the, the, <laughs> the director's cut, right? <laughs> love beats the demon. You said love beats the demon. I can and it will, but it ain't about you, Wayne, you stupid son of a – I love that movie. <laughs> Sinful, I know. But lo- love beats the demon. Yeah. It does. And But we have, then we have a side that says – Oh, it's not all about love, you know, this and that. No, man. Like if you want to ratchet Christianity down to a list of do's and don'ts and what you have to do and what you don't get to do, you're not even walking in the freedom that Christ gave you. Right, right. And I always feel like it is it is about love. It's always about love. But when somebody says, this is how I insist your love for me behaves, now I've got a problem with that because – You've, you've ignored how I love. You don't get a vote. Yeah, you, exactly. You don't get a vote. Why? Why do you get to? So, if my loving thing to do to you is to say, "No, I, I don't think that snorting that cocaine is good." Yeah. <laughs> like I'm, I'm going to tell you, that's not a good idea. And you go, "Well, that's not the loving th- to to tell me no is not loving." From your perspective, because you want <laughs> right. to coke. <laughs> I tell my son no all the time, and right. that, why? Because I love him. It doesn't feel loving to him. Yeah. He but. wants to eat, you know, three cupcakes at 9 o'clock at night. That is not – no. Why? <laughs> because I know you will wake up in the middle of the night with a bellyache and be sick and throw up in your bed and then I got to come clean it up. Right. So give me the three cupcakes and I'll eat them because I'm fat and old and it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Love does not – it doesn't have to constitute agreement. Yeah. And like we've said before, love comes with boundaries yep. sometimes. So you you got to be you got to be the one with the definition of of um, a Christian means by which to love somebody, and um, in some ways we can find some commonalities between the religions about how we love. Now it's got nothing to do with salvation. It's got nothing to do with living our faith, but we can all say that these violence towards a person is hateful. I mean, you know, violence towards a group of some uh, because of their skin color or anything that is a hateful thing. We can all. All religions in in the U.S. can get on board with that. That's not true everywhere. I mean, there's right. You go to the Middle East; that's not always the case, <laughs> right? So. Again, but that was in that article. They're all basically the same. No, <laughs> they're not. <laughs> but we can here in our country absolutely get on board to, to work against hate crime um, by by valuing people and by loving them. I agree. Let's just uh, let's all come to the conclusion that they're not the same thing. Yeah, that they're not. Yeah. All right, dude, it's been two hours. Let's wrap this up. Has it really? Holy cow. I thought we were only like an hour. (laughs) It goes fast and it goes easy, but I do appreciate you coming in, and uh, we'll get you again here soon. promise. All right, awesome. Thanks, brother. And there you have it. Pretty fun. Um, really enjoyed that conversation and uh, hope you did too. If you want to follow me, you can find me at Luke underscore Tim on Twitter or Luke underscore Tim on Instagram. 
You can also email me. Um, I'm going to try and pull together some stuff for this podcast. Um, so I've created a new email account. If you want to email me, ask me questions uh, to talk about on the podcast or give us ideas, that email is all the things with Luke Tim at gmail.com. Uh, I'd love to see you there. And um, we'll see you again next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye bye.